you have to say on my my list of one to five, where is peace? Because basically you get what you want. <laughs> you know, so people might say, well, one to five is maybe, you know, love or health. You know, those are usually pretty high up on the list, you know, security. But do we put one to, on the one on the scale of one to five, do we put peace in there? Because at, you get what you want, you get what you chase. You know, you got healthy because you did certain things to bring that about. You know, so where is peace on your scale of what you really, really want? And if it's just sort of vague, it means we haven't really uh, analyzed its value. You know, it's sort of just like an idea. We'd sort of like to have it, but you know, maybe yes, maybe no. We'll deal. With, we'll deal with it when we can. It, it, you've got to. You've got to say. Well, like we all know the value of eating. That's why, progressively, our diets are getting better. Because we've thought about it. This has a real impact on me. So we, we exercise and we eat more greens and you know vegetables and more fruits and consequently we get we get healthier. So we have to say, you know, what's the meaning of stress in my life? I know the meaning of health in my life, but what, what's the meaning of stress and what's the meaning of peace in my life? You know, what, what am I going to get out of it? You know, so that, that analysis has to be there. With, with most of the yogic sciences, it's the questions you ask that give you value. <laughs> the questions you ask. If you if you ask you know um, simple, not deep questions, well that's your life, you know. If you ask deeper, more incisive questions, that's your life. See, so it's the questions the questions you ask. With this whole uh, situation of, of stress, we have to take a step back and and analyze the world condition. We're all caught up in our own psychic bubble of our dreams, our desires. Um, but there's a bigger bubble that we're in. And uh, it's a type of unfortunate morass where the television is casting off unpleasant if you look at television, you'll notice, you know, more than half the programs are like police programs. <laughs> you know, another quarter are hospital programs. So they're all dealing with trauma, you know. You look, open, open the uh, newspapers and the headlines is some bomb has gone off somewhere. <laughs> we, we have, it's, it's, it's like a, a fish in water forgetting the water's wet. It's, it's, it's so much around us that we don't, we, we forgot. So it, if you have a, a, an obstacle, but you don't realize it's an obstacle, how are you going to fix it? So you, you, the fish has to realize it's in, it's in the water. And we as human beings have to realize that our current condition is that the pool that we're in, <laughs> 
is really a psychic swamp, you know, consciously or unconsciously. You know, there's all kinds of large devastating things or even small unfortunate things like, are you beautiful enough today? <laughs> that are causing you stress, you know. Is your hair right? Are your lips full enough? You know, is your bottom tight enough? All this nonsense. But it's causing you stress. <laughs> you don't realize it because it's ubiquitous. It's everywhere. So, you know, you have to realize that you're, that there's a tiger in the jungle in order to be aware not to get eaten. <laughs> See? If, if, if you're not aware that these constant influences are there, you won't take any action to neutralize them or to deter them. See? So you, you, have, to, you have to realize at this time in the world there's a massive psychic uh, swamp or morass that we're all swimming through. So, first be aware of, of what's there. Then, then to say, okay, how do I not get eaten by the tiger? <laughs> you know, how do I not be quietly, subliminally driven to uh, extreme behaviors? You know, why are, why are people freaking out? It's not because anyone wants to be bad. Nobody wants to be bad, but unconsciously the level of stress is rising, 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 and they're not even aware of it. You know, am I beautiful enough today? Will he or she love me? You know, do I have a job tomorrow? You know, is that, am I going to get drafted or will the, a, a draft come? I still have my draft card from years ago. <laughs> My draft number was zero, zero, 001. That was stressful. <laughs> yeah. so, so we have to realize that we have, before we fix something, we have to realize uh, the environment that we're in uh, to know that, okay, these are multiple elements that are all um, um, coming at us or pervading our, our space uh, so that we know, okay, th this is the problem, now how, what are the solutions? Ari? Yes? Can I ask a question? Sure. Why is the level of stress rising at a psychic level? Oh, certainly. Why is the level mostly because our, our, our skills of communication have become more and more vast. You know, if 300 years ago, you know, we didn't have the internet, we didn't have television, we didn't have radio. So if a, if a disaster happened in five villages away, you probably didn't hear about it. Now, anywhere on the planet, anything goes wrong, you're aware of it. One way or the other, it's going to filter into your psyche, through the internet, through your front friends, through the iPods. You know, you're going to unconsciously you're aware that another disaster happened. And and if I keep telling you, all day long a disaster happened, 
a disaster happened. Don't you think after the tenth time I told you a disaster happened, whether it's conscious or unconscious, your level of stress is slowly rising up? Because what you're concerned with is not being in a disaster. You know, so you know when you start to hear the ratio of disasters going up, you you, you sort of figure your name is getting you're coming higher on the list. Well, I, I, I understand why it's why people are getting stressed, but yeah. at a more at a deeper level, we'll why what why is this happening, and why is yeah. it necessary that that people undergo this level of stress? I yeah. guess that's what I'm asking. I'm not going to ask that answer that directly right okay. now, but I'm going to get to that. Okay. On a, on a fundamental level, as, as human beings, we have to sort of, this is, I'm taking the big picture now. Later on we're going to do the small picture, which is much more easy. But people don't discuss the big issues, so let's try to ferret some of that stuff out. This, uh, like an existential stress that all human beings carry, like if you, if you ask yourself, what are my greatest fears? Don't you think that's going to have a huge effect on, on your life? Fear of death. You know, maybe we don't talk about it so much, but it's there. You know, uh, fear of not being loved. You might not talk about it, but it's there. Fear of not being accepted. See, you, have, you have to ferret these things out to say, what are my hidden fears? Because those hidden fears determine sort of your baseline of stress. See? The more it's an issue, the more easy it is for you to become hyperactive or hyper unpositive because you're sort of more on edge. <clears throat> so we have to... We have to look at very, very, very fundamental things. So if it's a fear of death, you have to study the nature of death in order to overcome it. If it's a fear of not being loved, you have to say, what is love, what is lovable, and where am I in all that mix? See, these are really, 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 really fundamental questions that you have to ask yourself. And as you ask yourself and move into those inquiries, then your baseline of stress slowly, slowly comes down because it's not the big unknown. It moves, it, it moves into the known. You know, what do the great saints say about death? What do the great saints say about love? You know, first, generally people look at the psychologists and then they look at the philosophers. And then when they exhaust all that, then they finally look at the saints and find out what they have to say. They have a far more definitive voice in, in all of these in all of these issues. So <clears throat> these are big, big questions that we have to analyze and, and ask ourselves. So you, you have to ask the right questions. You know, if you say, you know, like the simple way is, okay, uh, do some breathing exercises and do some exercise, and your stress will go down. Well, that's true, but that's true from a moment to moment, day to day, little, little thing. The big elephant in the room is how afraid of death are you? 
How afraid of not being loved are you? You know, how afraid of social acceptance? I mean, when we think about what we all do in order to be socially accepted in, 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 your, in your whatever group you're in, what class you're in, what school group you're in, you know, what, where your place in society is. You know, see all the big houses on the hill? Why do you think they bought those big houses? It's not because they needed the space. <laughs> they didn't need the space. You know, sometimes I go, in, I go into these homes, there's two people living in it, and you could virtually have a bowling alley in there, it's big enough. You know, and it's just two people wandering around a mausoleum. <laughs> they weren't doing it, for, you know, because they needed the space. They're doing it to show, I, I've got this, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here in the world. And they're always afraid of losing it. You know, and then they, when people come, they've got to put on a show. It's not like it was a normal life. They have to put on a show. Really unfortunate. So you don't think they, they're, they're living with massive psychological stress. And they don't even realize it. They, they just sort of got swept up into it. So there are major personal evaluations that you have to do to say, what's really, 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 really important. You know, you know do I need the Jaguar? <laughs> you know, or do I need just good sound transportation, good Toyota, <laughs> you know, or Honda, whatever. The American cars are getting better now, finally. <laughs> so you can, you can put the Chryslers in there and the GMs. <laughs> but, um, so the, these, are, these are fundamental things y you have to think about you know, and, and, and ask yourself, well, who are answering these types of questions? You know? Now there's a reactive way of going about stress, and then there's a proactive way of going about stress. You know, reactive is, okay, the job is stressful, life is stressful, let me go down to the gym, <laughs> you know? It works short term. It works short term. The proactive way is to become so positively involved in life that it's like a, a ship passing through a storm that it barely notice. So in the proactive way, you ask yourself a fundamental question like, what is my life mission? What is the mission of my life? Then, all of us are going to find something significant. Let's say, you know, you want to leave a spiritual legacy. You know, like, what your life meant is going to be written on your, your tombstone. You know, what you wanted people to know that you did of value in the world. That becomes part of your life mission to live that out. If you have that type of positive engagement, you're a whole lot susceptible to all the negative psychic pollution from the radio, from the television, from the newspapers, from your, your friends who are half mad. You know, they're half mad because they've been beat up by, by all this pollution. It's like a person who's slipping into psychosis, but they don't realize it. Or a person who is slip, slipping into a drunken stupor, but don't realize it. 
So, if you can find things of true, true, true meaning, and then become engaged in it, you are far less susceptible to the stresses of life. Because you, you have a mission. You're, you're engaged. You know, if you're like reading a book that you absolutely love, all kinds of things go on around you, and you don't have a clue. <laughs> because you have a positive engagement. On a bigger scale, if your life is about a truly positive engagement, so much of the world can have chaos, but your positive engagement has kept you focused. It's, it's the non-focus that allows you to become susceptible. You, you become like a sponge, and you just sort of soak up whatever. In this world, if you're soaking up whatever, that's a really unfortunate position to be in. You know, because there's a lot of unpleasant whatever. <laughs> we understand? Yeah. But if you have a positive focus that you're constantly generating, you're, you become like a ship passing through a storm. You have your own psychic sovereignty. So you have your own psychic integrity. You have your own um, manifestation of something positive in the world. See, Just like a farmer who is tilling the earth and, and, and bringing seed to fruit. Regardless of what's going on in the world, he's very engaged. He or she is very engaged in managing that farm, and the outcome is good for everybody. Regardless of what's happening in the world. So we all have to become like psychic farmers. Where there's no such thing as leaning back and taking a farm casually. Farming is hard work. Hard, intelligent, creative work. There's a goal. <laughs> and there's a result. That's what we have to do. So, we have to find a large life mission. That's one thing. Then we have to find a daily mission. Okay? So there's the big, big uh, picture of, in my life, I want to generate X amount of goodness and I want to have that goodness manifest in such and such a way. It's got to be clear, it's got to be delib deliberative. Forget like, you know, airy-fairy, maybe this way, maybe that, or oh, maybe I'll work with children, or maybe I'll, you know, some other nonsense. You be direct, be clear, you know. Don't, don't be airy-fairy, you know. Say, I have X amount of skills, whether it's creative skills or mechanical skills or emotional skills or musical skills. I have X amount of skill. Now, how am I going to take what I've got and make the world a better place? You know, we all don't have to be the same. You have to take what you've got and build your own farm. You know, that farm <coughs> is going to heal a lot of people. It's going to make people's lives more whole. Nobody in the room wants a fractured life. If you yourself don't want a fractured life, don't you think you should be working to make other lives whole? And if your neighbor has the idea that they want to make your life whole, don't you think you'll be better neighbors when your tractor breaks down? Don't you think they're going to bring over the tool set? See, Because they want you to be whole? See, 
So we have to invest. Investing in the wholeness of others is investing in our own wholeness. Because we, have, we, we land up in a community where we take care of each other. We don't get into each other's business, but we take care of each other in times of need. In times of prosperity, we just are happy for you. you know? But in times of need, we bring our tool set you know, and say, look, I got the wrench for that. And, you know, I'll help you. So we invest in each other, and we all grow, we all heal. On a daily level, one should uh, say, I want to become, you have to analyze what type of human being you want to become. And then say some prayers or affirmations to that effect. And, and, and that should be done on a, on a daily basis. I'm going to get up for one moment and show you one of my, my one of my tools, tools of the trade. I'll be right back. It'll take me two minutes. One minute. I have these pearls that I carry around often in my pocket. I'm going to show them to you. And really, you can go to the beach. This is sort of fun. You can go to the the bead store and get any kind of bead that you like. <laughs> See, so there's there's twelve pearls here. See, twelve pearls. Truly, you can get any kind of stone that you like, you know. But these pearls, I'll, I'll keep in my pocket, and I'll say, okay, Hari, you're going to say a prayer twelve times this day, and each time I'd say a prayer, I take it and I put it in the other pocket. <laughs> and then I, at the end of the day, I know how well I've done. <laughs> but the thing is, if you're saying 12 prayers or 12 affirmations towards your wholeness in life, don't you think the psychology and the idea of that prayer is going to become part of your character? It's going to become part of your habit pattern? So if you're doing... You know, 12 affirmations and 12 prayers every day. Don't you think that there's a whole less uh, psychic availability to all the rubbish that's flowing around in the world? Why? Because you're engaged. You, you've engaged yourself. You've kept yourself positively busy. You're, you're constantly developing a psychic habit that's that's developing your wholeness as a human being and the wholeness of others. There's, there's no such thing as, as feeding yourself without trying to feed others. So let's say you just want to feed yourself. Does that mean the rest of the world should, should just drop off the planet? We were born in community. When you were born, there's people around. <laughs> there are people clapping and saying, yes, he's arrived. Yes, she's arrived. We've been waiting. You know, you were, you were born in community. And if you're the rare case where they, you were born alone other than your mom, 
I guarantee you the angels were, were clapping. I guarantee you the angels were clapping. Yes, this soul has something to do. You know? God's not arbitrary. He didn't just drop out of the, you know, out of non-existence. He dropped out of existence into existence. Heaven, heaven has arranged all of it. You're here because of heaven, and you're going to return to heaven. You know, it's not arbitrary. Something comes from something. You didn't come from nothing. Something gave you all of your potentiality, all of your intellect, all of your emotions, all of your creativity. Do you think that was arbitrary? Do you think that was not for some development of wholeness? Even the tree is out there supporting you, you know? Even the blade of grass is out there supporting you. Even the earth is out there supporting you. So we're an element of that existence. So we have to see what our particular viabilities are, enhance them, and help to support. You know, whether you want to support the planet, support the people, support the grass, I don't care. We're, 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 we're all part of a big, big community. Human community, animal community, natural community. You know, we're, we're, we're not in isolation, never have been. If, if you think you're in isolation, it only means the mind is not that well. <coughs> See, the mind is not that well. So you have to bring in positive influences to show that you're part of something, something greater. Not only something greater, but something beautiful. If you think you're not beautiful, if you think you're not beautiful, and you and if you think you're not wonderful, what it means is you have to look deeper. That's all it means. It means you just have to look deeper. That that your vision has become painfully shallow painfully shallow, see? But that pain will eventually make you look deeper, see? Eventually. You, know, you have to hit bottom and eventually you've got to bounce, you know? And in that bounce, that's where the community should be there to catch you. Okay. Your question, Christopher. Yeah, when you are saying the regular affirmations and prayers, is yeah. it that you are... So just keeping yourself from getting caught up in the stresses of life, or are you activating something else? Like, are you activating Both forces things. that come to your aid? Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, with, with, with every positive, every positive thought is rooted in a greater, deeper reality in a greater wholeness. By constantly saying a prayer for, for the welfare of oneself and others, or an affirmation to bring about some facility for the greater facility of oneself and others, you are linking yourself into a greater pool. The, the, the more you exercise a, a, a positive thought, the energy that allows that positive thought to be, you become magnetized to it. So in the beginning, you're like a small cup. Eventually, you're supposed to be like the ocean. So as a, let's say, a common human being is like a small cup. 
But as you exercise more kindness, more thoughtfulness, deeper insight, greater stillness, you become like the ocean, which is what the saints are. Why are the saints all embracing? You know, why is it impossible to insult them? Well, because they become like the ocean. You know, can you insult the ocean? No. It absorbs everything. You know, even if you spit into the sky, was the sky insulted by your spit? No. It meant nothing. <laughs> you, know? you know? So, that's, that's the thing, is we suffer because, because of our, our smallness. Because we've put ourselves into so many boxes, smaller and smaller boxes. And, and we've put ourselves in these boxes because we haven't asked the big questions. You know, we're, we're so busy protecting ourselves, the more we try to protect ourselves, the smaller box we got into. I don't want to be hurt and loved. I don't want to die. You know, I don't want disease. You know, everyone is like, we're getting smaller, we're getting smaller, we're getting smaller. As opposed to saying, well, are my emotions the sum total of my reality? Is my physicality the sum total of my reality? Is my mentality the sum total of my reality? We have to ask those questions. See? If we ask those questions, the answer becomes far more proportional. Though these are, these are lenses of perception, means of experience. But is it really who I am? You know, your physicality is a means of experience. Your heart and emotions, means of experience. Your psychic ability is a means of experience. Is it you? No. It's your facilities. These are your facilities. It's not you. For you to experience you, you have to have deep silence. You have to be able to sit and say, these facilities are active, but what else is there? What else is going on? What, are, what allows those, what are those facilities serving? That intellect of ours is serving something. Our emotions are serving something. Our physicality is serving something. What is it serving? See? We've got the verbs. Where's the noun? Okay? But now we have to do this. And then when these capacities become still, what's there? See? We, we have to come to a place of, of a fundamental awareness of our nature, of what we are fundamentally. See? Not what our dreams are, but what our fundamental nature is. See? The way, to, the way to, to find the fundamental nature is to allow all of these active facilities, which are like very spicy pots, you know, very engaging, you know, sometimes very tasty. But let them be still. Let them be still. And, and try to find out what those spicy pots serve. What does the physicality serve? The heart serve? The mind? All of those are feeding into something. They're informing something. The psyche is informing something. The heart is informing something. The physicality is informing something. OK? 
Okay? So what is it informing? See? That's where the skill of meditation is there. You have other skills like a mantra and prayer. Those are just cleaning everything up. Those are, are great vast cleansers. So that you know we don't get so wrapped up in the the activity and vitality of the body or the heart or the mind. It purifies it so that it can become a pure lens, a pure lens of perception. And then in the process of stillness, what, if, what am I? What am I? What are all these facilities feeding? See? So this is like the big picture, this life mission of, of active positive engagement. And then the micro day-to-day -day, uh, uh, actions. You, you have to have a daily mission. You know, like what kind of person do you want to be? And have a prayer about that. Have an affirmation about that. So that's your daily mission. When you're working out your life mission and you're working out your daily mission, how susceptible are you to oh, the massive psychic rubbish that's, that's flying at you? Are you aware of Oh, is my bottom so tight? Oh, do I have my blush on correctly? I don't even know if women put that stuff on anymore, blush. Do they, women use that anymore? Yeah, okay, I don't know. I don't know. You know I just open water, I'm good to go. <laughs> you know. So, you know, but that may sound like something small, but it's something, I mean, why do we have this, these industries of, of, of cosmetics? It's got to be a billion dollar industry in fashion. It's got to be a billion dollar industry. The problem with it is the stress behind it, <laughs> you know, that because we don't have a sense of, of wholeness, we're out there trying to compete with everybody else. I'm more beautiful than her. She's more beautiful than me. That's unfortunately stressful when you got to deal with that every day. Every day you got to deal with that, you know. He's more buff than I am, you know, oh my God. You know, as opposed to, I'm whole, I'm well, and I'm good to go. <laughs> you know, isn't that a better way to feel? I'm whole, I'm well, I'm good to go? That's a lot easier way to live than all the 10,000 psychic stresses about where we are in competition with everybody else, and God forbid the bus hits me, <laughs> you know? Because <laughs> that's when we watch the news... It's all a bus crash, and we just don't want to be in the crash, you know. We don't want it to be part of our life. But if we're engaged in all of these other positive issues of a life mission and a day-to-day -day mission, you know, all that other stuff becomes moot, you know. Like down the block we have this world-class university doing all kinds of wonderful things that are really, really wonderful. But I'll sit here and do my prayers, and all the wonderful things mean nothing. Because something wonderful is happening right here. I don't got to go down the block and see what the university is doing to find something wonderful. I'll sit here and find out what God is doing, what, what's going on in heaven, what's, what's, what's the kingdom doing, what are the saints doing. That's good enough for me. That's pretty darn wonderful. I mean, if you had the opportunity uh, to spend a day with Jesus, with all the wonderful things that are happening at the university, 
Which would you choose? Which would you choose? You know, or spend a day with Buddha. You know, spend a day with Sri Krishna. Which would you choose? You know, if you had all the professors who could pour out their knowledge, or one day with one of these masters, what would you choose? You know? For me, it's simple. So, this type of engagement is important. And, and if it's not done consciously and decisively, we spend our life drifting. You know? we, we, we have sort of an interesting whatever life. You know, as opposed to a life with a destination, see, and a, and a destination that's going to bring about wholeness, healing, greater love. It's going to give a. It's part of the foundation of life. You know, you want to be part of the root, not the end of the twig. You know, the end of the end of the tree is getting whipped around. The root is sustaining everything. It's, it's holding everything together. So we, we have to try to look at our lives to, to be profoundly fundamental, profoundly sustaining, uh, profoundly enriching. You know? <clears throat> One of the biggest issues in this whole stress uh, thing is to sort of get over yourself. You know? Because if, if you forget that you're born in community, you'll live in community, you'll die in community, you know, even your ashes are going to feed the earth when you're gone. So we're, down to our bones, we're designed to support other things. You know, even your ash is going to give life to something when, when this consciousness lifts out of this, this clay pot. See? So fundamentally, we're, we're meant to enrich so if we can get on to that idea that fundamentally our, our life is about healing and wholeness in, in, in every way, and that if, if you could help to develop a community of healing and wholeness, how much better will you feel in life? How, how much stress are you going to feel? If you felt totally loved and whole, you know, there's all this other rubbish that is going on. What you'll do when you see these the sorrows going on is to, is to close your eyes and draw from that great infinite power more love to send there. My brother is, is hurting. My sisters need healing. And you, you take the, all of your psychic force and send, you know, send, just like you're sending medical supplies. Those the vibration of your heart, the vibration of your mind, the vibration of your vitality is sent to lift all those people who's, who are downtrodden and who are suffering. So they, they are part of the community and you're lifting them. So you're not separate from them. It's just a disease that's manifest. Anytime you have an outbreak of real violence anywhere, that's a condition of disease, condition of lack of wholeness, lack of harmony. See? So, as, you, as a person who's the generator of, of peace and harmony and calmness and all these wonderful things, the energy goes wherever you focus it. See? 
it will go to them. Often, if you have good relations with your mother, your father, your brothers, sisters, you have to ask them, do you love me? Or can you feel it? You know, you can feel it. You know, you didn't have to ask. Mm -hmm. That that vibration, you have to become a, in tune with. If you're joyful, does does that? No, none of your buddies walk up and say, "Oh, you're feeling bad today." <laughs> they can feel it. They take one look at you and say, "Wow, what'd you do today?" <laughs> you know. So, we have to realize that that we are fundamentally vibrational creatures and that we can enhance those vibrations and then with, with a positive intention we can send that vibration anywhere on the planet. It goes at the speed of thought. See? At the speed of thought it goes and it arrives at your destination. See? So we're, we're responsible to this community of life that we exist in to help heal. Part of, part of the reason we're on this planet and part of the reason on this planet you have ups and downs and disasters and good things is so that we have the opportunity to learn how to heal. If, the, if there wasn't disasters and stress, how much healing would you learn? Would you become a true physician? See, which is what a saint is. A saint is a true physician. See? Those ups and downs and disasters and this sort of malignancy of stress for the physician is an opportunity to serve. See? An opportunity to bring about wholeness. An, an opportunity to fulfill its destiny. See? Just like a Buddha or a Krishna or a Jesus was fulfilling their destiny to bring about greater and greater wholeness. They, they, were, they were just grand physicians. But they, they needed a medium in which to, to apply the craft, to show the way to the, the younger physicians. That's us. See? So we have a, a life mission and a daily mission see? that we learn to, to practice so that we constantly become generators of wholeness, generators of, 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 of healing. See? We learn that art and science of meditation so that we can acquire profound rest and profound insight through peace. That peace becomes another lens of perception. Just like stress is a lens of perception. It's a distorted lens. You know, you look through the lens of stress, you know, the world looks pretty frightening, pretty ugly, pretty unpleasant. Look through the lens of peace, there's a whole other reality. There's a whole other vision. See? So in, in learning how to sit quietly within yourself, learning peacefulness, and I'll tell you, the other side of peacefulness is joy. It's like a coin. It has two sides. Immediately, when there's true holistic peace, joy is right there. You can't separate them. See? Same, the opposite is true. You know, if you have 
extreme stress, don't you think painful and sorrow is the other side of the coin? You can't separate them. You can't separate stress from pain. If you think about it, it's pain. So it's a good reason to realize what's, what the sources of stress are, how to avoid them, how to neutralize them. So if you can find peace, you also find joy. See? If you find peace, you're not constantly reaching out, will she love me, will he love me, will I die? Well, you know, all, these, all these big issues become way, way, way moot. You know, you, you become whole. See? You're not constantly clutching, clutching, reaching. You know? so, sitting in meditation is sort of a beautiful image because it's self-contained. You know, we're not like psychically all over the place. See? We, it's like pouring water back into a vessel. It sits peacefully. In the beginning, it's disturbed as it's coming into the pot. But if you let it be, it'll become stable. Same thing here. When we first learn to meditate, we're disturbed. Body's disturbed, emotions are disturbed, mind is disturbed. But if we sit, the storms will die down. And clarity comes. See? That clarity, peace, joy, they all go together. They all go together. Then when you act in the world, it's a completely different reality. It's a completely different reality. You're a joyful gardener, you know, as opposed to a fearful combatant. <laughs> you know? You're trying not that average human being is just trying not to get shot one way or the other. You know, not to be shot down by their boss, not to be shot down by the bus that's going to hit them, not to be shot down in their social situation. See, we're, we're, we're constantly ducking, you know. Is this person going to see me this way? Oh, I want them to see me in the right way. Oh, my God. <laughs> what a headache. What a headache. It's better not to care, you know, to, to, to have something fruitful enough where their opinions don't make any difference. You have to understand, we live in an asylum. So why are you worried about the next patient's vision of you? <laughs> they're in the same asylum. You know, they're just off their meds and freaking out. <laughs> you know? So we put so much weight in their vision, and they're nuts. You have to really understand that we're not standing in a sane world right now. You know, would there be people hungry? Would there be people walking around homeless? Would, would, would so many, if you go down the block, you'll see so many people who really need psychiatric care, and they're standing on this corner talking to the wind. Deeply sad. Deeply sad. Our society is allowing that to happen. It's not like we're a poor society. We're not. We're a vastly wealthy society. But we let, we let the least fortunate fall into greater misfortune. So you have to understand, society in mass is not well. So why are you valuing their opinion? You know, Don't put their opinion at the top, you know. So... Try to look at the various saints, value their opinion, make friendships with the saints, and, and, and look for their 
their vision of humanity. And then become a farmer. You know, work to work to cultivate that vision. I don't care what saint from what religion. They all they all come out of the kingdom. You know, they're all doing the same work. They're just doing the same work in this culture or, or this particular group, in this particular nation. You know, so they're they're gonna make adjustments based on the culture and based on the history. You know, so one might say this and one might say that. But they're just making localized adjustments. They all want to get you to wholeness. They're all doctors. See? So this is the thing that we, we, we have to learn. Ask very, very big questions. Know the situation that you're really in, that there's massive pollution coming your way, that you're swimming in. You have to realize it. You know, and then say, what, what can I do to engage myself in such a way that I am so positively engaged that I don't soak up all this other rubbish? See? That's what you have to do. Positive engagement on a large scale. Positive engagement just like I have all these pearls. You know. I like the pearls because they're, they're, they're pretty. And, 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 they sort of, and I also think about my Guruji, my master. Sadhguru Sankey Shabbos, you know, when I, every time I, you know, hold these pearls, because that's all he ever gave me, <laughs> you know? You know, there was never an idol, anything he gave me was of value, you know? So, when I, when, when I hold the pearl, the first thing I think of is my master, you know? And then I say some positive prayer, you know? So it has to be, it becomes a habit. And if, if I'm engaged in doing that, it means I, I don't have the time to be engaged in absorbing all the stress, all the rubbish. You think how much of your subconscious has absorbed. See? So, so much of it, we have to learn to de-junk. We, we unconsciously have a barn load of, of rubbish that we don't even know we own. See? So by, by saying the prayers and doing the meditation, by doing positive engagement, that barn lard gets tossed. We get to throw a match in the barn and burn it up. You know, we don't, we don't drag it along with us. You know? See, so you have to understand the situation you're in. We absorb a ton of rubbish unconsciously. So we have to have active engagement positive engagement, so as not to absorb it. So are there any general thoughts? General thoughts? So I gave the big picture, the big ideas, you know, big thoughts first. No thoughts, no ideas, questions? I, I have one. Um, Susan. <clears throat> I just read in the newspaper that um, some nuns are moving into Canyon. Canyon's a little... It is a canyon between Oakland and um, Moraga. And they're moving in and all, they just pray all day long. They don't raise money. They don't... So basically the newspaper said that they don't even believe in stopping to take time to fundraise. Um, and I thought, so when you were talking, I was thinking of these ladies and how we're born into community, we live in community, we die in community, and yet they're not engaged in the community necessarily, right? Because they don't no, they interact actually, with humans, but... Yeah, that, there's the obvious and there's, there's the subtle. 
obviously all they're cloistering themselves. That's what's obvious or visibly apparent. But on a broader scale, they're on a they're involved in community in the grandest way, because through their prayers, they're reaching everybody's psyche. See, it's not like oh they're shaking your hand. That's the obvious thing. But they're influencing you on a vibrational level, you know, on a more fundamental level, by churning some divine current. That goes out just like um, a radio uh, wave goes out and travels the world. They're doing exactly, anytime people are, are sincerely praying, sincerely meditating, and, even, and doing it in group is even very, very powerful. On, on a psychic level, that is going out and, and lifting the community. So they're not truly cloistered. They're physically cloistered, but they're not psychically cloistered. See? But having them close to our community... Yeah, proximity helps. Yeah. Oh, it definitely helps. You know, if you get closer to the radio tower, stronger the signal. <laughs> you know? It's like a saint. Get next to them, grab their you know, cloth, and don't let go. <laughs> you know? Just absolutely refuse to let go. <laughs> They'll understand. <laughs> That's how they got there. <laughs> Same thing. Same thing. Uh, any thoughts? Any other questions? Have I answered some of what you're asking? A little. A little. Mm -hmm. Is there any more? Well, I mean, I do think that that things are getting more tumultuous that the pace of the world is increasing. And I, I think it's it's not just in the United States. I think it's happening around the world. Um, I think it's having much more of a negative impact in the United States than it is in other parts of the world. But I'm wondering at a deeper level, why this, why now, and where is this supposed to be taking us? Well... Uh, I, I think this is more of a question of perspective. Uh, it's, there's multiple, there's multiple phenomena. One, we're, like I said earlier, we're more aware of the negativity. You know, the human ha heart hasn't changed you know, from a thousand years ago to now. The human heart's the same. The, the positive in the human heart is the same, and also the negative in the human heart is the same. But there is a greater ability to transmit those influences, both positive and, and, and negative. The world has always been in, 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 in crisis, one way or the other. From a proximal point of view, which just means rough, the rough hundred years that we live, we think, oh, things are really bad. But we're thinking proximally. People prior to World War I thought the same thing. Prior to Korea thought the same thing. Prior to any conflict thought exactly the same thing that, wow, the world is getting pretty bad. You know, during the Roman era, the Roman armies marching your way, things are getting pretty bad. You know, it's, it's, it's either. So, crisis is, is always there. But what we do now know is, we know about the crisis all over the place, as opposed to the crisis with the tribe next door. We just know that all the different tribes are. Um, because the human heart has not manifested its full glory yet. 
And that is an evolutionary thing. We're not always going to be savages. We're not always going to be savages. You know. If we were, you know, Gautama Buddha wouldn't have come. Jesus wouldn't have come. Sri Krishna wouldn't have come. They're, they are investing in humanity for a reason. Because they see the evolutionary arc of humanity. So there may be a, a dark period where there's strife, but the truth is heaven sends even more physicians in the darkest times. Even more great souls will come. Be because humanity eventually has to has to know the full value of all actions. See? They must know the full value of all actions. And they must they they must eventually fully manifest true harmony. True harmony. And this is as above so below. In the kingdom is a place of no strife. This is below. We're still working it out. See? Eventually, the human condition and the human heart has to become a reflection of that reality. Just like by association with a saint or a master, you can get a glimpse of that reality. See, you have you have a touchstone of the greater reality. Eventually, that will happen on a on a greater social level. But that, that comes through working all this stuff out, asking the right questions, doing the right application, you know, making your life count by giving it positive direction and forget about the drift. See? Forget the whatever life. You know. Purpose, direction, cultivation. See? Any other, any other thoughts? Ideas. Yes, Ami. So I have a question where it's more on a personal level that as you're cultivating your own garden and you know, going after your your own mission that's humanitarian, how do you deal with friends or family members or people you interact with that might approach you with the wrong intention or the wrong set of values and and you're sort of at a situation where you have to continue to protect your peace and move forward. Mm -hmm. And yet still some love to them, but sometimes maybe disengage? I don't know. Yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a few points. The, the first point is that um, you, when you're looking at a life mission and a daily mission, you have to think about it in such a fundamental way, in such a deep way, that it has true meaning and acquires true integrity. Where you're saying, this is worth doing. You know, this is worth investing my life in. This means, this, this is about meaning, having true meaning in life. So that's the first thing, to acquire that uh, integrity of purpose. That's one thing. The harder lesson is the lesson of learning, God bless, goodbye. <laughs> that means, God bless you, I wish you well, but I'm busy. <laughs> I'm, about, I'm about my work. 
you know, I'm gonna, I'm doing what I'm doing. You may think this, you may think that, it's all okay, but I'm busy. You're engaged in, in your work. Now, if their work is in harmony with that, great. If it's not, great, but see you later. You know, you, you have to understand why you're here. A million people are going to try to waste your time. A, many, a million people are going to try to diffuse what you want. Because if they're lying back in a swamp, they want company. <laughs> you know, they want company. You know, they want support. That lying in the swamp is a-okay, because my buddy here is with me. See? They, they want to support a lesser condition. See? If you've done your homework and are looking at your life mission and your daily mission, it's got to mean enough to you to keep getting on with it. Just like if you're in university and you're trying to get your master's, your PhD, and it means something to you. When your buddies call and say, hey, let's go out tonight, say, look, I got to study. <laughs> you know, I got an exam next week. Catch you later. It doesn't mean that you have any ill will. You like them all. But God bless, goodbye. <laughs> you know? And after a while, the truth is you have to have a steely spine where you have to know what you're about, you know, and just get on with it. You know, people might not like it, but they'll recognize it and say, that's the way they are. See? It's about having a life of purpose as opposed to a life of drift. We all know, lots of people, their life is, is just whatever, it's just drifting. This comes up, that comes up, and they're just like a, you know, a boat just being battered around. No rudder, you know, the, whatever the circumstances, they're going this way, they're going that way. That's on a life that you haven't thought it out, you know. You know, that you haven't said, what has God really, really given me? You know, and how do I cultivate that? And, and how, do I, how do I bring more wholeness in, into the world? Lack of thought, lack of depth. Sylvia, you had a question. It's similar to that, but um, I guess more than would you adjust um, your concept of community then? Because, you know, you talk about where... You're no, you're still, you're still supporting community. Mm -hmm. you, you're just not supporting ignorant community. Mm -hmm. you're, you're, su you're, su you're supporting every in individual, but you're trying to put value into the world. Mm -hmm. it, the, the value you put in the world will get around to them. See, it'll get around to them, but don't support their ignorance. See? By you fulfilling your life mission, you are putting value into the world and value into anybody that associates with you. <clears throat> They'll eventually start to realize what you're doing, the value. And hopefully, if they're near you, they'll absorb some of it. See? But you can't say, well, you're my buddy, so I'll go drinking with you tonight. Are you really helping them? Did you just do them a favor? But, or you're my buddy, so let's go, you know, you, and you really want to go to Reno and gamble, so I'll go along? Did you really do them a favor? Did you really help them? Or did you, they have temporal pleasure and long-term misery coming down the line? Well, that's what you just supported. Mm -hmm. you know, you've just supported a vice that eventually is going to turn into a tiger. See? So, 
we don't support other people's ignorance. Mm -hmm. We support their true strengths. You see? So it's just like a surgeon who has to cut the flesh to take out a tumor. See? Now, was there pain involved in the surgery? Yeah. Was the tumor of removing of value, of greater value? Yes. See? So sometimes there's short-term pain for long-term value. See, removing the tumor gave short-term pain, but gave you a whole lot more life. You got a, you got a shot at life again. See? So a lot of times it's like that, where your friends or associates are trying to get short-term pleasures, but long-term disaster. As we're, if we're going to be about wholeness and healing, we have to look at, on a long term, what's for the best. And this is a, a phrase that we all have to burn into our, our psyche. Not what's good for me. Forget that. Get it off the table. What's for the best? See? Because the moment you say what's for the best, you're thinking about everybody's well-being. What's for the best? Not what's good for me. What's for the best? The moment you say that, the context of your, your, your thoughts change. And the, the, the scope of whom is served changes. See? What is for the best? Okay? Other thoughts? Questions? I guess I'm just wondering how to kind of maybe dive a little bit deeper into that point. How do you... Um, because in the short term, maybe what's what you see, what's for the best of I, I'm not going to go, you know, out drinking with you tonight, or I'm not going to, you know, support your vices, um, is painful, and you have to deal with that pain, um, and it also might not be. Although maybe you see it as for the best, maybe other people. And that's a that, that example is very very cut and dry, but there's much more kind of ambiguous situations out there where, yeah, I might think that's for the best in the long run, but you might disagree with me on that. And how do you... That's a good point. That, that's a good point. All of life is, a, is an, infinite series, an infinite series of experiments. You are responsible just to take your best shot and then to, to see the results. And as you take your best shot, you, you, you did what you felt was for the best. Now, are you a Buddha and have infinite wisdom? No. You're a good man trying to figure it out. So you take your best shot and you see the results and then you make your adjustments. You know, it's like marksmanship. Well, you take the shot at the target and you're like, okay, you're off. So you readjust and you take the shot again. So you're, you're in, a, in, a, in a sense of constant observation and constant refinement, readjustment. So that over time, you become more skillful in your action, more skillful in your adjustments, you know. In the beginning, are you going to hit the mark? No. But you have to keep taking the shot and making the adjustments. And then you'll acquire more and more skillful action. 
It's skillful action through application, through adjustment, through observation. See? You know, was Jesus Jesus in a day? Was Buddha Buddha in a day? Read the life of Buddha, for God's sakes. You know, he, he at one point he almost died because of misapplication. Was he perfectly sincere? Yes. Was his application and judgment correct? No. Did it become better? Yes. See? But he almost lost his life through misapplication, misju misjudgment. See? But he made the adjustments. He said, this is not working. Let me, let me make an adjustment. Until he found correct application and became an enlightened soul. See? So that, that's our, all of our evolutionary journey. So it's about our integrity. <coughs> are we taking our best shot? And then are we, are we being open enough to say, what adjustments do I need? As opposed to a very fearful person who wants to see the world in a black and white state. You know, yes, no. No, there's, there's infinite levels of gray between black and white. And we have to make the adjustments to, to have more and more skillful action. You know, and skillful action, how much wholeness came out of that? How much joy came out of the, those actions? How much healing came out of that action? See? So, with a life of a Buddha, a life of a Krishna, a life of Jesus, how much healing came out of those actions? See? Immense planetary healing came out of a Jesus, a Buddha, a Krishna. See? Planetary healing came. So, same thing for us. We make our adjustments and we, and, and, and we grow. See? Or a contemporary example of a Gandhi who liberated an entire nation without firing a shot. Can you imagine throwing off a whole uh, colonial oppression without firing a shot? Extraordinary. But if you read his life, his life was infinite experiments. You know, not all successful, but greater and greater success as he, as he moved along. Because everything was an experiment. Everything was, did this bring, how much healing, how much wholeness did this bring? See? Until he became a Mahatma. Maha means great. Atma means soul. Great soul. That's what I call Mahatma Gandhi. The great soul Gandhi. He moved from personality to solar influence as opposed to just a common human being. See? Mahatma Gandhi, the great soul Gandhi. So all of us, whether it's coming up soon or in our distant future, all of us will be solar beings. We'll all be saints. Eventually, as we work out our experiences, as we work out greater and greater um, ability to heal, to be whole. Whole in self and whole in community. See? Other thought? Oh. Christopher. In the course of experimenting, sometimes we blow things up yep. by accident. How do we clean up our messes? Well, the first thing is ruthless honesty. The very first thing is I blew it. And not to, not to hide it under a cover. And then, how do I, can, how do I make it right? See? You just have to be sincere. You know? It, it, it's it's the group deception and self-deception that's a great tyranny. And principally, it's the self-deception that's the great tyranny. Be ruthlessly honest, and then get on with it. <laughs> that's it. See? Somebody else? You. Yeah, I think, Guruji, I, I want to sort of um, 
could you clarify more about community? Because there's, I think there's a there's a uh, common perception of community, like um, you know, um, sort of like a social circles, um, like family and social circles. Yeah. Um, and I mean, the way you've been talking, it sounds like you're saying that we support community, but we're not necessarily. We, we shouldn't necessarily rely on sustenance from community. Is that right? or uh, That's a very interesting point. It's, it's interesting. Um, the, the truth is, the deepest substance uh, uh, support mm -hmm. has to come from the kingdom. Mm -hmm. Because I remember I said, we're in a hospital. From here, from, from learning from the saints and from the scriptures and internal practices, we acquire wholeness. And then we bring that wholeness into life. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and, and when I say community, I'm not just talking about your cousins and your brothers and your, the crew that you, you hang out with. Mm -hmm. I, I'm talking about the well-being of all. The well, not only the well-being of all, I'm talking about the well-being of everything. Mm -hmm. Don't foul the earth. Just, just as much as you should not foul the earth, the water, or the air, you should not foul the psyches of the human beings. And you should not harm all the creatures. <coughs> to the best of your ability. I mean, if you're living a native life and you must kill to sustain yourself, okay. But do it without malice and with the greatest efficiency, with the with the least amount of pain, if you must sustain yourself that way. If you don't, be a vegetarian. See, you simply must be as skillful as you can. There's not a right or wrong, but be as skillful as you can, and 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 think of community as everything as everything. The respect I give to the earth and the respect I give to man, what's the difference? What's the difference? You know? Give them both give them both respect. They're 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 both wonderful and they both came from the same source. They came from the kingdom. So respect it. See? That that's sort of the, the arrogance of man. To, to, to say that we humans were the best. Nonsense. Nonsense. We're just part of a process. You know, we're just an element in existence. We're an element in existence. We're not existence. We're an element. See? So we just have to learn to respect everything. But the, the thing is, if you can start to acquire that attitude, your sense of heart and your sense of friendship and your sense of appreciation get that much bigger. You know, if you can love the animals and love the earth and love human beings, don't you think your heart just got a whole lot bigger? Don't you think the experience of joy just got a whole lot bigger? You know, that, that you could actually look at the earth and say, you know, that earth gave me substance. It gave me fruit. It gave me vegetables. It gave me support. And I, I made it into mud and it made me a home. 
See, we have to look at it and, and see what value it gave to us. You know, how it supported us. We have to look at things, all of, all of things, and realize that everything is helping everything. As, if, as opposed to living in our isolated castle, I am a man and I am the king of creation. So I can harm the creatures and I can harm the earth. See? And I can exploit other human beings. See? See, that's not well. When we exploit everything, as opposed to living in community with the earth, the air, the trees, the animals. You know, don't exploit them, live with them. You know? That's it. Love them. Simply love them. You know. That's that's the community that I'm talking about. Is everything broaden our consciousness to be in community with everything? Yeah. <coughs> Other ideas, thoughts. <laughs> Pretty quiet. <laughs> Nothing. Army, anything? Okay. Hmm? Okay. So then, if there's no more questions, we didn't get to all the, the, the very simple things of, you know, uh, with stress, uh, peace in a stressful world, you know, basic pranayam, basic hatha yoga. These are the immediate things to, to do, the, the micro things to do. But there's the macro things, you know, ask yourself what you're afraid of. Ask yourself, what is the meaning in your personal life of true love? Because until you ask yourself those big questions, they're looming. You know, they're unsettled issues. Yes. Um, with regards to the maybe, well, those to those questions, um, do you propose kind of a solution to them? Like, if I so I ask myself, what am I afraid of, and I discover, you know. It's not fear of not being loved, for instance. Mm -hmm. um, is that just is just observing that enough and being aware of that enough, or is there something beyond that that needs to be done? It's a starting point of inquiry. Mm -hmm. It's a starting point, but you first have to identify what needs to be examined. Mm -hmm. See, mm -hmm. you know, what does love mean to you? You know. What is fear of not being loved to you? Why, why, why do I consider, why, why do I think that I may, I may not be loved? What do I feel is unlovable in myself? It, it's a place to start the inquiry. See, Is there a solution? Yes. But the solution lies in a journey. It lies in a journey of, of deeper insight. Ultimately, you have to find your place in the universe. We're all like lost souls. You know, we don't know our place in the universe. We don't even know if there's really a God or not. We're just hoping for the best. <laughs> See? Those are sort of massive existential, you know, difficulty that we're all in, a conundrum that we're all in, you know. When it's time from lights out and I kick the bucket, what's going to happen? What about me? 
you know, which is what we've invested our entire life in. <laughs> See, those answers are out there. But you have to set yourself on the journey to find out those answers. Those, that's the quest of life, is, is to find truth and meaning. If you find truth, you'll find meaning. They'll go together. Just like peace and joy. You can't separate them. You just absolutely cannot separate them. So you, you have to put yourself on a quest of meaning, you know. And you'll find those you'll find those truths, and in those truths is a profound peace. Again, you know, if you talk to various saints and masters, if you get that great opportunity, they're not concerned about their own welfare. They are personally at peace. They are personally at peace, but they're busy. Because they see everyone else not at peace. <laughs> see? That's why they're running from place to place and giving talks and doing this and doing that. It's not that they, they have an issue. They know when they close their eyes, they enter this greater glory. They, they know it fundamentally. We don't. And that's why we're not at peace. We're, we're in an un, un, uncertain condition. You know, who wants to be in an uncertain condition? They're stressed just in that. You know, the, a cosmic maybe. Maybe yes, maybe no, I don't know. See, unfortunate. <coughs> so we study the saints because the, the saints are simply our elder brothers and sisters who have gone further along in the path of inquiry. That's what they are. There are brothers and sisters, but there are senior brothers and sisters who have done deeper inquiry and, and deeper experiments. See? So we study them, and then we utilize their experiments to see for ourselves. See? They've laid out a map, but we take that same journey and we see if they really do lead to Rome, but we see it for ourselves. See? That's the beauty of yoga. The yoga science doesn't just expound a philosophy and teach a, a psychology. It teaches a, a methodology of self-inquiry whereby you find out for yourself that you come to definitive answers for yourself. And the example I always give is if an elephant steps under your foot, do you say maybe? <laughs> no. It either did or it didn't. And you know for sure. <laughs> and in your inquiry into life, whether there is a God, whether I am truly lovable, within your inquiry, you will know for certain. For certain. As if an elephant steps in your foot. You know, it's that deliberate. That, no doubt about it. See? So... In Jesus' last days, and he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he knows he's going to be crucified the next day. Why didn't he get the fastest camel out of town? It's not like he didn't know the events of the next day. 
he was absolutely sure there is a God. And he was absolutely sure that all human beings, that there is redemption. For every human being, there is redemption. And he was absolutely sure that through the act of sacrifice, that, that message of redemption and that message of God absolute is so, would be sewn into the fabric of humanity. See? He, he knew you intimately. He knew humanity intimately and gave this clay pot and this existence, this temporal existence, and said, I'll cast it into the fire of wisdom so that they know too that there is a God, that all souls are redeemable, that all souls are ultimately blessed. And that in that journey, we all must make sacrifice. <coughs> so he allowed, a, he allowed that crucifixion. He allowed a sacrifice to occur. Just like in our journey to truth, there are sacrifices that must be made. He, he wasn't, he didn't despise his body. Not at all. But he knew that it was a sacrifice that would resonate in the human, in the physical human consciousness. See? That he gave what he could. See? He made that investment in, in humanity because he was sure, it was for certain, there is a God. You are redeemable. You are blessed. See? Not maybe. Absolutely. You are blessed. Absolutely.